Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and tulips that just can't wait another month. It's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and it's time for Tea with BVP. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, BVP, a.k.a. Bill Van Patten, international superstar and the diva of SLA. We're <laughs> you guys are making me laugh. I can't get through the intro. I'll tell you guys in a minute out there while we're laughing. Here we are live from the second floor of Wells Hall on the Michigan State University campus in East Lansing, Michigan. With me are the laughing twins, Walter Hopkins and Angelica Kramer. You two don't need to say hi because you're laughing. So I was just tell they're laughing because Angelica forgot to put her laptop on mute. And so when the show started, my voice was starting to ring through the studio because of the intro. And so she, was, she went, oh, my God. And she had to turn her laptop. It was pretty funny if you were here. I guess you had to be here, right? Indeed. Okay. She was terribly embarrassed. She was, was terribly embarrassed. What happened to that German precision, that German God, sensibility no, about I, getting things done correctly? I actually, I have a colleague to blame, but I'm not going to call him out on it. Oh, really? <laughs> you're, not gonna name, you're not gonna name names, Daniel? You know? It wasn't Daniel. Is oh, that person <laughs> in the studio? Oh, okay. no, no, this person is not in the studio. Okay. Not in the studio. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, my gosh. So here we are. What is this? This is post-Oscars week, isn't it? Indeed it we is. Need, we need to spend a few minutes about the Oscars. Just a few. Walter, there is no quiz. No, there's no quiz. There's no quiz. I failed. No, but okay. We'll start with my favorite thing about the Oscars, other than the gals and the gals, the gowns and the gams. Anyway, but did you all see who got the best director Oscar this year? No, I didn't pay any attention to them. I'll be completely honest. This is historical. My gosh, Walter, you all people. again. Walter, you people should know this. Who was it? Gonzalez, it was Alejandro González Iñárritu. Okay, now why is this historic? Okay, you know two years movie, in a row, right? You know what movie he got it for? Revenant. Revenant, right. And then he also won last year also for Best Director because he got it for what, Walter? Oh, man, I don't remember. Wow. I, I remember that he got Angelica? it last year because I, I remember Angelica. talking about it in nothing. my class, but Sorry. I don't remember what it was. The Wings, The Birds. Birdman, for Birdman oh. with Michael oh. Keaton. <laughs> okay, so, but that's not the historic part, although that is historic in and of itself. Who got it the year before for Gravity? Best director. Come on, kids. Come on. Play with me here. Walter, yeah. this is your field. Him, because you just told us last week that he did that one, right? Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, no. Okay. Three years in a row, a Mexican hmm. won Best Director of the Oscars. Not for a foreign language film, but for a U.S. film. Three Mexicans in a row. My people. Take that, Donald Trump. We are taking over the Oscars, okay? <laughs> now, I, but that's historical. Think about this. Those of you who... Follow the stuff, you know, that, that think about this. And, you know, the whole buzz this year was mm -hmm. no diversity in the Oscars. There was no black people, as Chris Rock reminded us every two seconds on, <laughs> on, on the show. But think about that in terms of diversity. Ten years ago, that would have been impossible. Mm -hmm. three, three years in a row, a Mexican director in the Oscars. That, would, that, would have, that was impossible. Who would have thought? Right? They can, you know, we've had one female director win. Okay, everybody knows for what, right? You know who? <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, you see, uh, audience out there, I live in a cultural wasteland here in East Lansing. These people are so intellectual and so Ivy Tower. I'm just kidding. Right. I'm just kidding. You got to come down to my. About as you got to come down to my playing come. field. Come down to my sandbox. Okay, That's this not is true, Walter. <laughs> no, but it was. It, think about this. This is historic. Am I the only one excited about this? Woohoo! Oh wait, sorry, that was really loud. It wow. was loud, but okay, wow. back up and do it again. Okay. <laughs> he backed up and lowered his voice at the same time. Okay. 
Oh my God. Okay. Well, anyway, that, that's that's my bit about the Oscars. I love that um, Alfonso um, Alejandro uh, Gonzalez got it again. Um, but anyway, so there, there you go. I'm just, I'm. That's it. I have no nothing else to say about the Oscars other than that. Well, that's too bad. We were looking forward to long conversation about the Oscars. <laughs> Although, well, here's yeah, the I, oh, I, have, I forgot that they even have. I have one other thing to say about the Oscars. You uh-huh, ready for this? Uh-huh, yes. God, I feel like this is one of those gossip shows. Okay, I feel like Joan Rivers. May she rest <laughs> in peace until I get there. Um, but, 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 Sam Smith's performance, and he won the Oscar for best song. So next time I do that quiz about who gets a best Oscar, and you guys didn't know it was Adele because she got a best mm-hmm. song. Yes. Two Brits in a row, two years back to back, Adele and, and Sam Smith got best uh, best song. <clears throat> what a crappy performance. There, I put it out there. I love Sam Smith, but that was the crappiest performance of the Oscars I've seen in hmm. a long time. It was shaky. It was almost pitchy. And then his acceptance speech, oh, my God. That's all I'm going to say. OMG. Tweet it. Get on there. Tweet and go, OMG. It, Look about get mad at me if was, I tweeted it. It was, it was abysmal. And I know there's a lot of Sam Smith fans out there who are going to call in today and say, I hate you, Bill Van Patten. I love Sam Smith. I do. I love Sam. But that performance was not very good. Lady Gaga, on the other hand, mm-hmm. singing her song. Anybody see that? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Daniel's looking at me through the booth going, he saw, you saw Daniel, right? Did she not rock that? Did she not like yep. bring tears to your eyes when she stood up and was still playing? Oh, my God. It was so good. Lady Gaga. Wonderful. That's all I'm going to say about that. No, wait a minute. I have one more thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you Just know who kidding. Sam Smith is, Angelica? You don't sure. know who Sam Smith is? No, I have no idea who Sam Smith is. I do know who Lady Gaga is, though. Oh, my God. That's we'll progress. We'll get kicked off the show, dude. Jeez. <laughs> do you know who he Jeez. is? Is it a he? I shouldn't he? Yeah, I don't even know if it's he. Well, you said he, right? So, Sam Smith. Yeah. Do you know so who got, he is? Got nothing. No. No. Yeah, it's not Samantha Smith. It's Sam. <laughs> you guys don't know who Sam Smith is? He won four Grammys last year. Including best new artist and best song, and oh my gosh, stay with me. You know the song, stay with me. No. Not the Bette Midler, stay with me, but this it's a yeah. I've I've heard that. Stay, oh Sing my! Sing it for us. God, you guys, somebody please call in now. Save me now. Just call in now, please. We won't even go through the topic <laughs> of the day, or I won't make any announcements. Just call in now, please. Please, somebody call in now. Anyway, <laughs> no, Sam Smith is. Oh gosh. Okay, I'm, you've heard the song. I'm gonna look on my. Stay with me. You've heard it. When before. we're waiting for someone okay. to call, and I'm gonna look on my iPhone and pull his song up, and I'll put it in my microphone. You guys can hear it. You guys can say, "Oh yeah." Okay. I'm no. <laughs> I know you know it, Walter. Okay. I'm well, in. sing it for us then. No, I'm not gonna say. I can't do those falsettos. Okay. Um. Anyway. Oh well. Okay. Uh, we have an announcement to make. Um. Before I get into the topic of the day, I'm going to announce, remind everybody. It's actually not an announcement because we announced it last week, and it's been in our newsletter. Actually, Lucas sent this out. But we remi- I want to remind everybody out there about our first creative ad contest. Do you know the name of it, Angelica? T-Swag. Get your... Get your T-Swag on. Get your T-Swag on. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Get your T-Swag on. And T-Swag is a play on T-Bag. Get it? Yeah. So get your T-Swag on. Uh, we're going to award the most creative tea with BVP advertisements created by our listeners. Uh, the ad can be a poster, a social media post, a blog post. It can be an event. Maybe you'll host a high tea at the Ritz. Ooh, And put I like little that. cards on the sable table that say tea with BVP. And you send that in and saying we're at the Ritz having high tea and doing our BVP sh- stuff. Good. It could be an announcement in a meeting. You can stand up in front of a crowd with a poster and says, I'm announcing to you. Do whatever you want as an advertisement for our show. 
Um, there's no limits to your creativity, whatever you want it to be. Um, the three best entries, or the best three entries, it's the three best entries, the best three entries. What would you say in English? The three best entries, because we say? want the best ones and not the, well. The three best or the best three? Hmm. Are we awarding the best three or the three best? What's this is why my bilingualism. <laughs> There's no difference. My bilingualism comes in. <laughs> Isn't there? Weird every I time. I don't think so. There? I don't know. I, th I, I don't know. Anyway, so our three entries that we like the most <laughs> will receive a bag full of tea with BVP swag. And I mean real tea with BVP bags. And that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say about that. Gucci inspired and everything. Uh, and this bag will include some new surprises you have not heard of before that we have ordered and they're coming in soon. So get those creative juices going. Um, go to our website, teawithbvp.com slash swag for more info. You'll go right to it if you put the slash swag in and you'll learn all about our tea with our get your tea swag on contest. Okay, so get those ads going. We want to see those. I'm also going to uh, make one more announcement before we talk about the topic of today is that next week we're on hiatus. It's our spring break next week, um, so we're not going to be here. Um, our wonderful crew is sailing to the four winds. Um, I'll be here in East Lansing working like I usually do, but um, everybody else will be gone. So we're taking the week off next week, so feel free to catch up on old episodes, review things, whatever it is that you want to do. Um, and our, we will resume on March 17th. I'll announce the topic later. But I want to let you know that on March 24th, we're going to do something different. Walter, do you know what it is? Take a nap during the show. Well, you always do that. Angelica, do you know what we're going to start doing on the March 24th? Um, something about the number seven. By popular demand, yes. People have been asking and writing in and tweeting in and calling and, and, and hounding me. No, you're not hounding me. Um, but wanting to know about my principles of contemporary language teaching. I always talk about seven mm -hmm. principles. So what we're going to do starting March 24th, for those of you out there asking for this, is we're going to go one by one. Each week we're going to dedicate a show to one of the principles. And so we'll announce that through our newsletter, and it'll stimulate your juices, and we'll give you a question to think about that goes with the principles that you want to call in or write in. Um, but that's what we're going to do. So that should be fun. <clears throat> and so by the end of the semester, our semester here, we will have taken you through all of the seven principles of contemporary language teaching, at least as I see it. Um, I don't think anybody would disagree with my principles, but they might have more um, or, or some other things to say in addition to what I'm going to say. Okay, am I done with my announcements? Have I talked about everything I need to talk about? Walter, why are you so. looking? Walter's looking at me like a frog on, on, on heroin. What is... <laughs> what? what? <laughs> You do. You look like a. You look like a frog. Do you have experience? I was with just that? going to ask that very question. How do you think have I you passed met? biology in <laughs> high school? I did experiments on frogs. I, I shot them up. Where did you get the heroin? I mean, let's not even go. I grew up in let's California. Not, let's not even go there. I grew up. I grew up in San Francisco. I grew up in California. Never mind. You could walk down What's to the What's the topic 7 of the day today? La, 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 What's the topic of the day today? Topic of the day. Okay, the topic of the day. <laughs> the topic. We don't have a topic of the day. That's what's great. This week we're doing a one-time call-in show about anything the listeners out there want to talk about or ask about. Um, people can call in with new questions or comments, or we can revisit old topics. I'm going to list some of the old topics in a bit. Um, so it's really the, the tweeters and the emailers and the callers inners, the callers inners, <laughs> um, who are going to tell us what they want to talk about. And if you want to get in on the conversation about any of those things, or if you want to give us a comment or a question that you're just burning to, to, to provide us with or, or shoot at us, give us a call at 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. And I think Emma's on the phone today. Is it Emma or Dustin on the phone? I can't tell. Uh, 
Daniel's in the way. Okay, it's Emma on the line today. So Emma Dunn will be personing your calls, and she's waiting for you to ring in. Don't make her sad. Call in. She wants to hear your voice. If you want to tweet us, you know how to do that, at Tea with BVP, or you can email us during the show at Tea with BV, D, tea with BVP at gmail.com. I think I can say 1,111th now better than I can say <laughs> Tea with BVP. Well, that'll be the next thing for you to learn. Exactly. Practice, practice, practice. But again, this is a call and talk show, so you've got to call in. We need people to call in. And don't be shy. Again, 517-884-4321. And don't forget our quizzes. We've got two quizzes today, as usual, the SLA Challenge quiz, and we've got a focused diva quiz. Ooh. It's focused on one diva. And you? Not, not me. Oh. Not me. That'll be, that's coming up. Nice. So some lucky call-in person can take a stab at our SLA Challenge quiz or a Diva Challenge quiz and win a wonderful tea with BVP prize. So call in and tell Emma you want to do one of those challenges. And I think we've got the phones ringing already. This is better than the Jerry Lewis telethon, I tell you. My <laughs> gosh. Okay, I think we have Sean from Mexico calling in. Sean, are you on the line? Yeah, I am. How are you doing? Hey, Sean. Are you really calling from Mexico? I really am. Hey, that's my and madre I patria. Uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, what I've been part of it? For like three years, learning everything. I actually, you're not going to believe this. I'm a student of Dustin's, and we worked at the or work slash work at the same exact language school down here. Oh wow! So, okay. Yeah. So what what so, part of what uh, part of Mexico are you in? I'm in Cuernavaca. Cuernavaca. Okay. Well, you have to hop over to Guadalajara. Okay. Guadalajara. Guadalajara. <laughs> Tapatillos, because my grandfather was from Guadalajara. Okay. And then my grandmother was from across, well, he was at, not right from Guadalajara. He was from a little town right outside Guadalajara. But then um, my grandmother was from Michoacan, which was, was across the border. That's how they met. And they fled during the Mexican Revolution and came over in 1914, I think. Okay. Anyway, so okay. go visit there and have some tequila. So what's up? What's on your mind, Sean? Well, I, actually, I, um, I have a question how you think I should attack the language program that I'm giving right now. So to give you a little background, the first thing we do is basically um, – you know, 30 hours of what you might expect somebody to get in kindergarten. So letters, numbers, days of the week, blah, blah, blah. And then we go into a pronunciation thing for six weeks, which I love. Um, and then we go into this block where they're expected to learn articles. And I know you've talked a lot on the show about uh, natural order of language acquisition. Uh -huh. And it doesn't seem like that particular block is very effective for students. So I'm wondering if maybe that is too early or where exactly you would think what level of language you think um, students would need to have before they are expected to really know articles well. Because it seems like it's about as difficult for them to understand articles as it is for what's for me when I was learning Spanish to understand preterite and perfect at a, at a high level. And that's a really, really challenging thing. Okay, so, uh, let me ask you, let me just back up for a minute, Sean, here. You said these are six-week modules, six-week segments? Yeah, generally about six-week modules, yeah. And the first one is on what? First one is just, um, it's called preparation for speaking, so it would be stuff like uh, introductions and colors, okay. letters, numbers, days of the week, okay. blah, 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 right. you and might see in kindergarten. Or and then you work on pronunciation, and then you spend six weeks on articles? Six weeks on articles? Uh, well, no, it's, it's article. It's called vocabulary, but it really shouldn't be. <laughs> it's articles. It's, um, it's full sentences for a lot of different things, but okay. I, I don't know. We, nobody likes that block. <laughs> okay, but you're, but you're focusing on articles. So, right? Okay, okay, I, I, I get that, it. Yeah. Well, nobody likes that, that, that segment for a reason. You know why, right? Because, well, I mean, it, it's, 
it doesn't really, it doesn't fit what it's called at all, and they're not really they don't seem to be ready to do it. Right, exactly. Because um, you you can't. And, it's hard to see any learning happen during that segment because right. you're focused on something that can't be taught explicitly anyway. I mean, exactly. I mean, yeah. you can teach it explicitly, okay. but they're not going to learn it explicitly. explicitly. Right. Yeah. And so they're going to acquire these things through the interaction with the other modules. And what I would do is get rid of that module and put something else in there. I would go back to prep for speaking or do something else. Um, yeah. That's what I would do. Now, it, it, I can't answer your question about natural order because um, it, it, this makes no difference anyway because Walter and Angelica and I, for example, could all be in the same MESL environment, and Walter could get to articles before me and Angelica, or Angelica could get there before me, and so on. Even though we all have the same order overall, Walter may go through the order faster than me and Angelica, for example. So, so trying, okay. to trying to arrange any kind of curriculum around grammatical things when we know that those things are acquired in a set order but with a lot of individual variation means at any given point in time with 20 people, you're going to have at least five different stages of acquisition going on at least if not yeah. six or seven okay so awesome. which is not the same for vocabulary not the same for speaking speaking somewhat but less so because you can get around that through scaffolding and so on so anyway so i would just get rid of that module and can um yeah i think we're, we're trying to either get rid of it or at least move it up <laughs> okay we, we kind of yeah have to do what the owner wants but i think we're trying to either get rid of it or move it up well great um and then my follow-up question was going to God, be... God, I feel like I this is a press conference. I, <laughs> say what? I feel, it feels like a press conference, Sean. Oh, my fault. Keep, uh, <laughs> keep it moving here. This is like the line at Disneyland. I got people in li lining up to make a call, so go ahead. Go with the next question, Sean. <laughs> you, you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned how there's often different groups of uh, ability, and I do see that all the time. So how would you, how would you attack that if you had like a third that were really... Um, at the higher end of what would be expected, a third are in the middle and a third that are at the bottom, how would you have them interact so that they can benefit from each other's presence? Oh, well, I, I have that in my, my class right now, and I'm not going to name names because my students might listen. Um, but I think they all know they're at different levels, too. Even though they might be roughly in a ballpark range of abilities, when I go around and listen, they actually are at different levels. And so I, I constantly have just a lot of pair work that's tailored toward something that everybody can contribute in and do. So they have group things that they've got to do tasks in class that are part of the overall things we're trying to do. And I walk around, I monitor, and I help out. And so um, what the, what the quote-unquote stronger students do have a little bit more fluency. For example, they help scaffold with the, the, younger, the less fluent ones. Um, or when I get there, they all ask me questions. I scaffold things for them. So it's a matter of providing tasks that everyone can do be successful at, even though it might be varying degrees of success, right? So you don't okay. want to give a task that the low level, lower level person can't do. You want to give a task that that person can do, but then the other person can still excel at it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. If I could figure out how to pull that off, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Um, I can't give you, I, I mean, I could, I have to write a whole book on that for you. So, and, and Obviously. I, well, we'll, we'll have you call me or we'll talk through Skype sometime about that because that would take a lot longer than the few minutes we have together on the phone today. So I'm sure. Yeah, that would be awesome. But that's a good question, Sean. I like that question. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to hang up on you because we got, like I said, it's like the Pirates of the Caribbean line on the phone here, man. <laughs> they, I, that, I see so many lights on the phone. It looks like, my God. Like, well, a, awesome. like the landing year in an airplane. I don't know what it is. <laughs> okay, Sean, so thanks a lot. Thank you. Have, have, a, great great, have a great time. Don't forget to go to Guadalajara. All right. Okay. Peace. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> that's great. I love those international calls. People from uh -huh. Mexico. Uh, you that's cool. go, Mexico. 
Alfonso Cuarón, Alejandro González, Alfonso Cuarón, Alejandro González, Alfonso Cuarón, Alejandro González. Deutschland, Deutschland, Mexican directors, Mexican directors, Mexican directors. Okay, enough of that. Okay, we got another caller here. We got Allison with one L from Chicago, right? Allison with one L from Chicago. Are you there? Yes. Hi. Hey, our phones are working great today. How you doing, Allison? I'm good, thanks. What are you doing in Chicago? Um, I work at, um, I teach adult ESL. Okay, and are you from Chicago or did you move there? Um, I'm originally from Kansas City, but yeah, moved to Chicago. Okay, it was like me. I lived in Chicago for eight years, so I was from somewhere else and then lived in Chicago. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, miss, I used to live in Old Town, so go to Old Town. Go to South Pico and Restaurant mm -hmm. on Well Street and see my friends there. The owners are good friends of mine. I used to live like almost next door to them, so it's, uh, it's a, Old Town's oh. a great place. Okay, so what's up? What do you want to talk about? Um, well, I, well, first of all, I wanted to thank you. I really enjoyed Tea with BVP, and it's been really helpful to me. So thank you so well, much. Well, thank you, darling, um, for saying that. That is just <laughs> peachy. I, no, I, honestly, Allison, <laughs> we like compliments. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, well, and I wanted to, I know you talk a lot about how we shouldn't do explicit grammar instruction and uh, grammar practice activities and drills. Um, but I was wondering, I don't think I've heard you talk too much about uh, pronunciation instruction. And so I was wondering, do you think that explicit pronunciation instruction can be helpful to students and practice activities for pronunciation, that kind of thing? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. I've got this frog in my throat. Maybe that one that died of heroin from, 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 <laughs> from Walter's overdose. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> but um, I... I, 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 I I don't really want to say I shouldn't have, you shouldn't ever do anything explicit. I, I want to make sure that's clear. What I want to do is minimize our, our, our focus on explicit learning because I don't think explicit learning, not I don't think, the research tells me the way I read the research, that explicit learning is very limited what it can do for learners. Now, but the problem is we don't have a lot of research at the higher ends, like when people are more advanced. Now, it's a good thing you asked mm -hmm. this question. Pronunciation, teaching explicit things at the lower levels probably doesn't go anywhere. Teaching things, explicit things, even pronunciation at the intermediate levels probably doesn't go anywhere. But there is research on pronunciation at the more advanced levels where people who are really good with language but still have things that make them very non-native, like they've gone in and, and, and trained them and done things with them. And, and Theo Bongart's from, I think, where's, where's he from? Um, Oof, no idea. I, I, think, I don't know if he's from the Netherlands, where he's from. But he's done research on this and some of his colleagues that actually suggest that when they're more advanced, you can actually train them um, and get mm -hmm. them better at pronunciation. So, so maybe what we want to do is rely less on explicit learning early on and then let it creep in later on when we're trying like fine-tuning things, when there's something to actually fine-tune. So, mm -hmm. um, so think about it that way. So maybe pronunciation, they need to build up some representation through input over time, and then later on down the road, you can give them a little tweak here and there when they're much more advanced. Mm-hmm. Okay. How's that sound? Do you know of any specific, um, specific ways for advanced learners to improve their pronunciation? No, I, I can't. I got what, what you, whatever you okay. wind up doing with them, I'll just tell you this, be focused and consistent. Don't try to correct mm -hmm. everything and anything and give them practice. on. Spend a week on X thing, for example, and give them and give them some work with it, some explicit, and then the next week go on to something else. If you try to do too much, it just goes nowhere because it's not focused and consistent enough. Mm, okay. 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 All right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, good luck. Thank you. Thanks for okay. have fun in Chicago. Thanks. Bye, Allison. Okay. Bye, Allison. Bye.
I was yelling at Walter for knocking my cord out last week. I just did it myself. I pulled, I pulled the cord away from Walter so he wouldn't do it, and it just wrapped around my knee. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was that. that pronunciation is a hard thing. That was a good question from Allison. But, mm-hmm. but actually, the research is, and there's not a lot of research on that, but there is some that suggests that when they're more advanced like that, you probably can make an impact. Okay, like I said, we're lining them up here at the Pirates of the Caribbean. We got Darren calling from St. Clair Shores. Is that in Michigan? That is. Hey, Darren, you know what we say in my, in my Mexican background, we call Michigan Michoacan. Ah, okay. So my my sister still still tells me, when are you going to move away from Michoacan and come back to Califas? That's how we call California and Mexicans. Oh, really? I I did not realize that. um, There you go. But yeah, so yeah, buenas tardes, Will, Walter, and, uh, you know, Angelica, you know, Vigates, right? Ishman, I can remember something, right? No. Okay, Darren. (laughs) Darren, are you trying to... Walter speaks better than I do. Are you trying to impress me with your multilingualism? No, well, no, I was just trying to, I don't know, see if anyone remembered uh, uh, Walter's excellent uh, fluency in the German language a couple of episodes back. So. <laughs> <laughs> he says oh, and by the way, uh, I hope everybody, I mean, you know, we're getting close to the, uh, what do you call it, the caucus or the primary, whichever thing that Michigan holds. We right have, a, we have a primary this next Tuesday. Go vote, Darren. Yeah, primary next Tuesday. So, you know, um, vote for Walter and, uh, you know. <laughs> See what happens. There you go. Right. Right. Walter's, Walter's our Please favorite write, write-in candidate. Wouldn't that <laughs> exactly. be funny? We'd um, see it in the that Lansing grassroots, State That Journal. grassroots meeting we had at my house went pretty well, too. Nice. Oh, good, good, good. Well, let me know where I need to send my check into, okay, Darren? <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> what's your question? What's your comment? You calling to um, complain at us? Or I don't calling know, I mean, to- I guess I have three questions, and maybe if you want, you can just choose one of them or answer all three, depending on... What is this, the SLA challenge quiz? Only I get to do that, Darren. (laughs) Get with the program. You go, Take your finger and just go like in a circle and let it land on the page, and whatever question it lands on, that's my question. How's that? Uh, Okay. Oh, man. Okay. They're they're all so good, though. I don't know. Um, How about... Well, I'll tell you what. You could ask one, then you hang up, and then you call back in and see if you get back in line. Because I tell you, it's like the it's like the Pirates of the Caribbean line on the phones today. So. Uh, okay, apparently. All right, I guess. Uh, what the heck? What's in, okay? Uh, so you talk about like forced output before, or and what's an example of some forced output, or maybe an example of a language teacher in his or her classroom doing forced output? You know, and it and just to reconfirm that that doesn't lead to language acquisition. Um, Force output is any task, activity, or exercise, and those are three different things, and we can distinguish those later if you want, but any task, activity, exercises that requires the student to speak in something other than one word or two words, for example. So if I ask Walter, um, if I ask Walter, um, is Angelica German? And he says... See? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's not really forced <laughs> output because that's just a yes or no answer, right? Uh, okay. But if I had said to the following, Walter, tell me two things you know about Angelica. Uh, okay. That would be forced out. I don't know. See, Walter, <laughs> come on, Walter, tell me two things. Tell me one thing about Angelica. Angelica, um, oh, uh, brown hair. <laughs> Angelica, ooh, wear headphones. Oh my! <laughs> God. We're gonna get every embassy in the world calling us on the next cha- on the next line. <laughs> okay. See, Grant has he's got this right. He says on on Mixler that I like to wear tiaras. 
Oh, okay, there you go. Thank you, Grant. <laughs> okay, Darren, so there's an example of me Angelica making Walter like say Ciara. something. <laughs> and even though that might have been communicative, we're going to use that for something because maybe we're building a profile of Angelica in my classroom. It's still forced out because I'm making him talk. Rather, okay. rather than me saying, is Angelica from Germany? Walter, is she from Germany? Yes, yes she okay, is. Okay, she's from Germany. Does she have brown hair? Yes, indeed. Right. Okay, and there, I'm doing all the talking there. That's different, you see. So, And the forced output is also doing a drill where I make Walter repeat after me or I make him fill in a blank. Right. And so all those things are forced output. So basically, so basically, if it's a one-word answer, then it's not forced output. But if it's any more than a one-word answer eliciting from your students, then it is forced output. Right, exactly. And either or questions are, are fine, too. So if I could say to Walter, is Angelica from Germany? Or is she from Austria? Right. Germany. And Germany. Pr- see, right. he's just copying what I see. He's just picking one of the words in my input and, and then repeating it. So he's not right. really Right, or producing. like a yes or no question. So basically any questions you ask during TPRS are totally fine and not considered forced input, basically. Because you're the either most... looking for a one-word response or a yes or no or an either or. Right. And you're, and if it's a wor- if it's something they already know, it's not obvious. Well, it's I mean, technically it's forced output. But but but. You know, one word they should be able to do, you know, uh, they should be able to do that. And particularly if it's in abundant in the input or if it's just in the input you provided them. Um, okay. So, and, and the reason we say, just to follow up, is that the reason that doesn't lead to acquisition is because, um, well, I mean, yes, no, yes, no questions and either or questions are good questions because the learner has to pay attention to a lot of language to answer that. So that's good input the teacher is giving and asking those yeah. yes, no, and either or questions. Whereas opposed to an open-ended question, there's very little input because the student has to come up with everything on his or her own. And, and that's right. what's different. And so, so like if, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, like if I asked like, what did you do yesterday? Yeah, that's a forced output. There's no input there other than what and did you do yesterday. So if you ask what did you do yesterday five times the students in class, there's five different input instances of what did you do yesterday. But right. what they have to do is not answer what did you do yesterday or yesterday, they have to answer, uh, I studied and went to the park. See, so that okay. that's it's different. Um, and so, uh, forced output actually works on if you want at all skill development in speaking, but it doesn't work on acquisition of language itself. Okay, how's Be- that? Because that eventually we do. I mean, at some level or some year in their language, that we should be expecting them to say more than just you know one word responses. Yeah, and and they'll start trying on their own too. The earliest phases are just not. So you really have to scaffold a lot for them in the beginning and intermediate phase. You have to do a lot of scaffolding, a lot of scaffolding. It's so. it's like a Spanish one two three four or German what have you. What well then what year do you think you know roughly could we take a guess at that they would be you know coming up with more of a thorough response. Okay, Darren, you are like milking this question that you are like, right, well, I, well, I, well, well, I, I hate to be the hooker that winds up with you. I mean, you want a lot for, don't you? I mean, like, geez, okay. Darren. We can talk later then. It's totally fine. No, I'm just kidding. Let me answer your question real quick because the answer is I don't know. There's no, there's okay. no, okay. it's not that I don't know. It's just that there's no answer for that. It's, is these things are intuitive. You do it when it feels right. You, you, you ask them, you give them an open-ended question, you have an open-ended task. If they can't do it, mm, I guess I did that too soon. I mean, see what I'm saying? It's, it's by feel. And so, right, okay. yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. Okay. And it's just like when well, we hey, talk. Thank to you very much for uh, talking. I really appreciate being on the show again. And, uh, yeah, have a good vacation. Uh, and, um, yeah, I'll be uh, talk or listening to you in the near future. Okay. Thanks a know. lot, Darren. And Walter for president. <laughs> go Walter. Yes. Go Walter. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Bye, Darren. Oh, Bye. that was great. Okay. Call back in later, Darren. 
we have we have some follow up um, conversations from Mixler here about voluntary output. Okay, um, what about so voluntary output? If if you ask the question, is Walter adorable? <laughs> and you would ex- accept uh, expect I can't even talk expect the answer yes, but a student answers yes, Walter is simply fantastic. Then that's not forced output, is it? No. Whenever time a student says anything on his or her own, it's obvious it's not forced. So. I think that would be pretty forced, though. Yeah. <laughs> if they were saying that. <laughs> if Walter asked the question, it would be forced. It's like, oh my God, I better say something. He's not going to give me a good grade today. He's going to mark me absent. <laughs> All right. So let's go to our non-phone lines. Oh, I think our phone lines died or something. Sorry about that, Darren. You could have asked me another question. Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, what do we have... Uh, Oh, I have a signal here from Luca. He wants to do something different today. Okay, gang, this is what we're going to do out there. Listen to this. We had tons, I mean tons, tons of questions and tweets and comments from people out there for today because it was anybody can call in and, and, and write in anything. And so I won't tell you how many tons of questions and comments we have, but we have a lot. So what Angelica and Walter are going to do is play, are going to play team tag on me and just shoot me these things. We're going to go rapid fire, almost like... Like diva speed dating, except insti- instead of diva <laughs> speed dating, it's diva speed questioning. So how okay. long are we going to give him? Um, you give me, somebody has to time me. One minute max per question. How's that? Okay, 37 seconds. 37? So somebody, somebody, somebody do the timing. I do. Okay. Okay. You want to go first or you want me to go first? You go first. Okay, ready? First I'm question. I'm going to go first. My God, I'm taking a nap over here. Can one really guarantee anything explicitly taught will be acquired? Now, this was on Twitter, and there was, and someone gave a response saying, if you give them lots of practice, I think so. So what do you think about that, BVP? Go. The answer is no. Um, just because you practice it doesn't mean you're going to acquire it. That's, that's not how things are acquired in the head. And the first part was, again... Can one guarantee anything explicitly taught will be acquired? No, you can't guarantee anything. You can't guarantee anything in the input is going to be acquired either. You can't guarantee anything. But specifically, you cannot guarantee. In fact, I can tell you won't get learning or acquisition from explicit practice. I know people are going to call in about that, but that's okay. Done. Next 27 seconds. Excellent. Okay, next question. Please comment on the following statement. I've been thinking about eliminating writing from my beginning curriculum. And go. We did here. We no longer do writing in the beginning curriculum. You won't miss anything. What we do do instead is I would... Uh, work with discourse scrambles, that's what we do, which gets students to work with paragraphs, uh, sentences are scrambled up, and it gets them some implicit discourse building in their head through the input by working with discourse scrambles. Um, I, we can, Luca, let's put that on the resource for this next week so people can see what a discourse scramble is. Done. Ooh, how fast was that? 23. Okay, ready? I would love to know your views on principled eclecticism, I believe introduced by Kumaravadevelu in 1994. <laughs> What what's that what's that name again? <laughs> it was a really long one. <laughs> Kumara Vadivelu. Yes. I call him the big K, the big kahuna. Um, the I, I hate the word eclecticism, but at the same time I hate the word methods as well, because as we talked before, I think methods are dead. Um, because I believed in principled instruction. I think that's what the big K is trying to get at. Um, that anything goes as long as it's driven by principles of language acquisition principles of language and principles of communication, which is what we're going to start doing on March 24th. So we'll come back to that topic. So Walter, flag that one. Go. Man, good. 28. Um, I can't pronounce half of the next one. Why do we unequivocally? Unequivocally. Eh? Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got nothing. 
unequivocally. Your pronunciation. There unequivocally. You go. <laughs> why do we unequivocally, please don't use such big words, apply acquisition research to the classroom when we cannot show or assume it happens there? Say that again. Why don't, oh. why do we? Have Walter read it. Why do we apply acquisition research to the classroom when we cannot show or assume it happens there? Of course it happens there. That's a false assumption. It happens there. As long as it's, I don't care if it's a classroom or non-classroom. If they're getting input and interacting with the input, acquisition is happening. Period. Seven seconds. Maybe I, like I misunderstood it. the question. That person. The, if, that person if can't. We, co- yep, Sarah. If we misunderstood your question, please clarify. Yeah, Sarah. She might not be listening because a lot of people are teaching or working, and they write in ahead of time, and then they listen on the weekends and so on. So, Sarah, I'm not being flippant by by uh, or glib by answering your question that way. Seriously, maybe I misunderstood something. So, um, but honestly. If they're in a classroom and they're hearing Spanish, French, Russian, German, Japanese, and if they're interacting with the input and so on, they're acquiring language. Okay. Next. Innovative ideas to get more you or I practice to solidify. What do you know, what do you do when students can't use forms correctly but speak a lot? What do you do when they can't use formal features of language correctly? Right. They're trying to. She. The. This is Elizabeth asking this question, wondering if you can give innovative ideas to get more you and I practice to help solidify those verb forms. Is what I'm guessing. Okay. Well. Th- that. Okay. What Elizabeth has to remember is that the creation of language in the head is always ahead of what can come out of the mouth. And so that they could already be in the head and there's a lag time. But the problem, don't forget, Elizabeth, that the problem with verb endings is that they're a part of words. It's not a grammar rule. There are no such thing as rules. So they have to have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of examples of first-person singular forms, second-person singular forms, for these to be robustly represented in their head. Okay? And only then will they start to come out over time. And then again, they'll, they'll come out in piecemeal and get better with them over time. So there's no bullet. Okay, next question. Does the silent period really matter as much in SLA as in FLA? Uh, FLA meaning first language acquisition? My assumption. Yeah, yeah. probably. Second language that's acquisition what, is that's the first what I language would assume, acquisition. Yeah. Because some people use FLA to talk about foreign, yeah, foreign language, language acquisition, which yeah. I hate the term foreign. Please let's ban the word foreign. Okay, um, so uh, there is no silent period in first language acquisition. Actually, kids are babbling and goo-gooing and doing everything from the get-go. The minute they get out of the room, they're crying, little brats. Just kidding, just kidding. I love kids. I love, have you ever seen Walter's kids, by the way? They're adorable. I they are adorable. I love Walter's kids. Walter has the best kids. Mm-hmm. If you ever I need me to babysit, let me know. Um, but I'll do it at your house because, you know, I can't come over my house because I have a dog. So what if we were to assume that FLA here was foreign language acquisition as opposed to second language acquisition? Would that change your answer for well, the silent period? Well, the, the thing about the silent period is that comes from a very particular perspective on thinking about language. I think actually Steve Krashen talks about this. And um, people may or may not have a silent period. That's an individual difference. Um, children, of course, don't. Um, and so there's no, there's no contextual difference on whether there's a silent period or non-silent period. So it doesn't make a difference with the second language a non-second language or a first language or whatever, people do what they need to do at a given point in time with language. There. Okay, next. What do you think are the downsides of TPRS teaching? What are the downsides of TPRS teaching? Don't ask me, ask students. 
Students will tell you what the downside is. Um, and that would be true of anything you do in a classroom. I just gave a survey to my students in my conversation class this week, and I, I read them uh, yesterday, very illuminating. I think I'm teaching a wonderful class, and but they gave me some good feedback. There are some downsides to what I'm doing. There are some things I could fix, and so I'm going to take time to spring break and tweak a few things and come back and change those and see what happens. And then when they do the end of the semester survey, I'll get some more feedback. So if you want to answer that question about the downsides of TPRS, there's no downside from a theoretical or curricular perspective looking at the outside. Ask students, are they bored with what you're talking about? Are they bored with the stories? Are they bored with you? Are there, is, is there, are they camp? Ask them. They'll tell you if there's a downside. Okay. Next question. What kind of irrefutable research can I point my colleagues to in order to at least consider divorcing their textbooks? What kind of irrefutable research? Oh, yep. they'd have to read too much. There's no, there, uh, <laughs> no, I'm serious. This is why we do the show, because it's accumulated knowledge over time. Um, there's no one thing except, except, and I was going to talk to you about this, about the foreign language community. Um, I'm going to have, who, who, what's the first, na- first person's name on that? Amber. Amber. Amber, um, write to us, write back to us, or I'll have Walter make a note. I don't know if that's, is that a tweet or is that an email? Um, I think that was an email. That's an email? Okay. We'll send this back to you. Maybe, maybe I'll have Luca put it up on the site. But there's a, something I wrote with my friend Jason Rothman in a book called The Grammar Dimensions of Second Language Acquisition called Against Rules. It's, and I, I'm not talking about against teaching rules, but against the concept of rules altogether. That would be a good starting point for conversation. That if you can get people to understand that there are no such things as rules in your head to begin with, then why are you so stuck on this textbook? That would be a, a, a good place to start, I think. Okay. Last question. We're getting the cue. This is the last okay. one. Are you ready? Well, speed dating is so much fun. I'd <laughs> <laughs> love to hear your thoughts about how actual standards can be applied to learning classical languages, Latin, ancient Greek, etc. So that was from Elizabeth. And then uh, another question came in connected to this is from Munasa. Is teaching the, a classical language such as classical Latin or Arabic or ancient Greek using the communicative approach, the communicative approach, jeopardizing our students' translation abilities down the road? Okay, first of all, there's no such thing as the communicative approach. Let's get that perfectly clear. Um, there are communicative approaches and communicative styles and communicative classrooms, but there's no the. There's no one way to do it. Um, so I think, who's that person I said? Manasa? Uh, Manasa. So I hate to say this to you, but I think you might be a little bit misinformed about what that means to teach communicatively. There's no one way to do it. Um, Now, um, like anything, teaching is driven by goals. So what is your goal of them learning Latin, classical Latin, or classical Greek, or any of these quote-unquote dead languages? What's your goal? If your goal down the road is for them to translate, then they should be translating. If your goal is for them to speak Latin or Greek, if you're going to get a Ouija board out and resurrect Caesar or, or Kikiro <laughs> um, and have them speak to those guys, then they should be communicative. I mean, what are your goals and what's the purpose of learning this language? Then that helps dictate what you do. Uh, I, can't, I don't understand teaching Latin and Greek communicatively unless you want to speak Latin and Greek, which, I mean, you can. That's fine. There are societies who do that. It'd be kind of fun to like stand in line at the, at the Best Buy when you're returning something and turn to someone and say, E pluribus unum, and nobody around you knows what that means. You know, <laughs> Pecuniam so. non olet. Exactly. That. Okay. All right. 
So can I just follow up on that question? Then? So how about the actual standards there? I mean, should they be used for, for classical languages or no? Um, the actual standards were devised for modern languages. So for contemporary languages and world languages. And even though Latin and Greek were world languages at one time, they're not now, at least ancient Greek. So my answer would be, it doesn't make sense to me to apply those standards, the actual standards. Um, Thank you. Okay. I mean, somebody might call in and say I'm wrong, but I don't think so. Okay. We have a caller on the phone. We have a caller on the phone. We have uh, Dodu from Algeria. It sounds like. Okay. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi hey. there. Hey, Dodu. Yes. How are you? How are you doing? I'm fine. Doing thanks. Doing are you actually thank calling you. from Algeria? Yes, I am. Oh wow, that's great. What time zone are you in? What time is it there? Is it nighttime? It is uh, nine. Nine o'clock. Nine, uh, Oh. No, it is uh, 14, uh, 14, uh, 15 to, uh, to 10. Oh, okay. So, well, well you're, it's late. So you better ask your question yeah. or comment because it's late. We don't want to keep you up too, not, too long. No, it's okay. I just want to say first that uh, I'm a big fan of yours because uh, uh, it's hard nowadays to find a scholar who is not moving. I'm sorry? I, so really, I really like when, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm very big, uh, I'm a big fan of you, of you because... Uh, oh, well, thank you. It's, it's, yes. Because it is, because it is, it is rare to find a scholar who is not boring. <laughs> I try not to be boring. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. So my question is this: is this? Uh, what do you recommend for uh, for students who want to learn uh, to learn a language without without uh, on their own, without having to go to school on that? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one um, because learning a language on your own is difficult because. Um, one of the things you need from the very beginning is input interaction with someone. I mean, you can learn some things on your own through 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 um, canned input. I mean, so things like I'm going to say it. Some people won't like this, but like Rosetta Stone is okay for like your first couple of months of language learning. It'll jump, but then very quickly you actually need input interaction with people. So I need to interact with Walter. I need to interact with Angelica. I need them to talk to me, scaffold the input. I need to see how conversations work. Um, I need to see how turn-taking works. These are all part of skill development, for example. So, um, and again, it depends on your goal, Dodu. So, if it's, if, so um, I think we lost Dodu on the phone, but hopefully he can hear what I'm saying. Um, but the, um, the, the idea is that, is that whatever your goal is for learning, uh, let's say you want to learn how to read, then you can teach yourself on your own. Let's say well, you only want to learn how to see movies then you can kind of learn on your own. But if you really want interactive abilities and you want a full range of communicative abilities across a, a, a range of modalities, then you really need input interaction from the beginning. Um, so uh, it, it's very difficult to learn on your own. Has anybody, Angelica or Walter, have either one of you tried to learn a language on your own? Not really. No? I don't know. I mean, and they've had, they've, um, they've done some research on, um, I won't say what product, and I won't say who did the research, but found that um, the completion rate of these learn alone products is fairly low. Mm, I bet. Because people, you know, even though language is all in your head, communication is a social oh, yeah. event. Yep, absolutely. So even though we're talking about development and mental representation, communication is a two to three way and multiple people process or entity process. So anyway, so. Um, Okay, I think we lost Dodu. We're not having him back, right? So, oh, yep, I feel bad. I think he's gone. Oh, that was I. I liked him. I liked that question. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you have anything more in the Twitter sphere, or um, 
Yeah, here's a question from Hope. She is working with her team to shift to CI using Manpatten and Crashen as main sources. CI means comprehensible input. Indeed. And the team asked about research against CI. There's no research against CI that I know of. <laughs> I mean, no, honestly, I don't, there's, I mean, that's like asking if there's research against gravity. I mean, nobody sees gravity. I mean, we don't even understand it completely. I mean, I mean, even with, with, the, with the advent of relativity, for example, and, and the idea that, uh, of what gravity actually is, has changed over the years, but we know it exists, right? And so, um, Otherwise, we couldn't explain the solar system or the universe or anything else. Um, and so the same thing is with input. There's no, there's no research against the role of comprehensible input. None. It's just a necessary ingredient. I like it. Hope will like that answer, I bet. Yeah, yeah. So tell her there's none. Excellent. Okay. All right. I th oh, we got another phone call coming in. Those light, those, God, I'm getting like, again, it looks like that. looks like, a, I feel like a, a pilot on an airplane, those lights <laughs> going off on the phone. Okay, we have Lance from M.A. M.A. is what state, Angelica? Massachusetts. Is she right, Walter? I imagine so. Is that Massachusetts, not Montana? Lance, <laughs> are you there? Yeah. Hey, folks. How are you doing? Hey, we're doing great. And you are calling from Massachusetts, right? Yeah, I'm back here. Yeah. Okay. I learned, are you from Massachusetts originally? I am. Does this, do you know this song? M-A-S-S-A-C-H-U-S-E-T-T-S. Massachusetts, uh, my no. home state. <laughs> Oh my! You don't know that song. <laughs> I don't know nope. either. Oh, I learned that when I learned that in school when I was a kid. Oh well, maybe it's too old. <laughs> anyway, so there you are. Come from M A Double S A C H U S E Double T S. So Lance, what's your question? What do you want to talk about? Um, first, I got to comment on your Latin and classical language thing, Ooh. which I understand your point. I know I don't want to say too much, but go ahead. There is a distinction that a lot of us are making right now between translating and reading, and unfortunately, you can get a degree in Latin and not be able to read anything. Correct. So that's why the shift has changed to communicative approaches. Right. But, but I mean, but I mean um, reading itself is a communicative act. So Yes, yes, but translating isn't. So that's why we have... All right, but 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 embrace that idea. I miss. I, okay, let's make sure we're talking about. Are you talking about translation from English to Latin or Latin to English? Latin to English. Latin to English. Well, that that can be. I mean, if that's part of what you're doing in reading to try to get the meaning of the text, that's 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 a communicative strategy in and of itself. But I don't want to poo-poo translation too much, because no. if you're actually focused on extracting meaning from a text and you're doing it through translation, because you need the information from the text for something. I mean that's okay. That's that's a, one strategy for extracting the meaning, but but and I I, I kind of get where you're coming from. So I, I just well I just I can give you the picture of um, someone sitting down at a table with a copy of their Latin text, a copy of a grammar book, a and like a two hundred dollar dictionary sitting nearby, just to quote unquote read three or four lines of Latin. Like that's what we like to avoid. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we found that the communi communicative approaches are, are actually allowing people to just sit and enjoy what they're reading without all of these resources. Because it's not exactly a fun process. Right. I mean, I took two years of Latin in graduate school as part of my degree in um, Hispanic linguistics. I have a background in historical linguistics, and so you have to know some Latin. 
Um, and I can tell you right now, I don't remember anything because of the way it was taught. Um, yeah. And so now I'm doing, a, okay. I'm doing a study in Latin. What's absolutely fascinating oh. is a study we're doing in Latin with typology and word order. Um, it's just, res it's like a din in my head right now because it's all about processing the input strings that we're using in, in, in the, in the experiment. And it's go, I go, wow, this input stuff really works. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Um, the question I had, yeah. which was not actually my question, um, there was a Facebook group, and someone uh, thought it would be great to ask you to talk about the relationship between mental representation and skill building. Um, I think what a lot of people are feeling is that some teachers are putting a cart for the horse if there is a cart in a horse. You know what I mean? So um, could you take a minute to talk about this? Sure. Um, mental representation and the development of representation is it refers to that unconscious, um, abstract linguistic system in your head. Everything from the sound system to words to uh, constraints on on syntax and grammar to morphological properties of lexical items, pragmatics, all kinds of things. So it's about language residing in your head in some way. Okay, so it's about that stuff, that linguistic stuff that's in your head. Where skill building. Um, is about communication. It's about me being able to stop Angelic in the hallway and say hi and ask her how she's doing. Uh, it's about me asking Dustin, so um, uh, are you going to do the phones today or is Emma doing the phones today? And so skill development should tap somehow your underlying mental representation in some way. Um, now, that doesn't mean that you have to wait to have mental representation to exhibit some kind of skill. So go back to what we were saying earlier. When I was um, asking Walter yes/no questions, opposed to open-ended questions, so I, so I, as I, as I, blah, blah, blah. so if I ask Walter is Angelica from Germany, he goes yes. That's his skill at that point. That's what he can participate in. Okay, um, and so he's participating in a conversation, and I've got the conversation at the level that he can participate in. Um, in the meantime, his mental representation is building up. Otherwise, he couldn't have understood that question that I just asked him, okay? So, so mental representation always sort of moves ahead of skill building, uh, and skill building is somewhat reliant on representation, but you don't have to have mental representation intact before you can start participating in communication with people. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, I mean, because look at and a little when you, I mean, in, is skill building its own term that you're using, or do you mean these classic writing, speaking, listening, reading skills. All of, all of, all of those things, because all of those skills have to be at the level appropriate. Okay, so like, look at a little kid, for example. Um, when a little kid is a two-year-old, they speak in a one-word stage. When they're, when they're a year and a half, you know, they get in a two-word stage. And, well, I'm simplifying here. By the time they're three, they're like little chatterboxes. And they go through these stages of what's called mean length of utterance, where the, where they're, where the utterance length develops over time. And very quickly, it looks like to us, because... That's all they do. That's all they're doing as children is eating, sleeping, going to the bathroom, and speaking and interacting with people, right? So, um, and for language learners, it looks like it takes longer because we have much more limited time with them, much more limited input. Um, so even children are participating in conversations from the very beginning. And the, but look how their parents and caretakers talk to them. They talk to them like, well, where's your ball? Where's your, you, you, where's your ball? 
I don't see your ball. Where is it? They don't ask them, so what do you think of Donald Trump? I mean, would you ask a two-year-old, what do you think? Of, okay, they can't participate in that kind of conversation. So what they get is interaction and conversation appropriate to their level. And so, and when they start to read, what do we read? Little kids. We don't read to them, you know, War and Peace when they're lying in bed at three years old. When they want a nighttime story to go to bed, we read them, what? The Froggy and the Swan. Or we read them The Little Red Shoes. So Indeed we do. Or we read them, Walter, you have kids. What do you read your, what do you, what do you used to read your kids when they were like three and four years old? Oh, we read lots of stories. I mean, now we're reading the Chronicles of Narnia. Zach's really into that. Yeah, but he's like, Zach's like, what, eight years old? Seven, yeah. I'm trying to think what were some of the ones. I used to love reading Guess How Much I Love You. See, things like that. But you're not reading War and Peace, right? No. You're not reading Don Quixote to them out loud, are you? No, senor. Okay, so you see, that's the whole point, is that communication and skill building is bound up in extracting meaning and working with meaning in real context has to be level appropriate and appropriate and age appropriate too. So there. Did I did I distinguish for you? To target um, for teachers to target a skill too soon. Uh, y- yes, know? it's possible. You can expect too much. So just do it realistic expectation. Yes, you have to have realistic expectations. Yes. Okay. Okay, Lance, our clock is ticking, sir. I got to let you go. I think we got one more person on the phone, and we will talk to you later. Okay. Thanks, Lance. Bye bye. Okay, do we have another caller coming in? I can't quite tell. We're going to have to make it a fat. Oh, my clock is ticking. My God, time flies when you're on Zoloft. Okay. <laughs> okay, we have Teresa from New Orleans. Teresa, I'm sorry, we're running out of time here. You have to make a quick question. What are you doing? That's okay. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I am a Spanish teacher. I teach, I teach uh, Spanish at the high school level. And I have a two-year-old boy, and everyone keeps telling me since I, I teach Spanish, you have to speak in Spanish with him. But I, I'm a native English speaker, and English is the language of my emotions, and it's what pours out of me when I'm happy and angry. So I think my question is, if I just teach my son words here and there, but I'm not speaking to him consistently, is every little bit going to help down the road? Every little bit helps down the road, but you, why don't you speak to him? There's no reason you can't. It, it feels superficial because it's not okay. the language. Well, then what you need like, to do is what we are talking about know. earlier, maybe bedtime stories or things like that in Spanish. So get some books in Spanish that are bedtime stories and read them to him. You can do that. Okay. And I show can him the do that, and yeah. I am doing that. Yeah, so there you go. It. Well, then you're doing what a parent <laughs> should do. And okay, by the way, so that good. you know, I have a non-native speaking friend of mine. She's a very good friend of mine. Um, she spoke to her son in Spanish growing up, and her husband doesn't speak mm-hmm. Spanish, and that kid has Spanish now. So, Yeah, I guess I'm just confusing him when he points at a truck and says, truck, and I say, camioneta, truck, camioneta, yeah. and it becomes this like, Yeah, you we, know, we, we bilinguals are used to that. We, we go to have a little bit delayed thing, but by the time we get to school, we're the same page as everybody else when it comes to language. But so I understand the battle. I understand the battle you have there. Uh, I've had the same thing, but in my family, my wife uh, grew up speaking Portuguese, and I speak French and Spanish, so we had a hard time figuring out what we were doing, <laughs> but I understand that battle for sure. Yeah, but it'll be fine. Right. Just do it. Just okay. do it. Kids okay. are, kids are great. Kids little are great. by little. Kids are great. <laughs> they are. They are. Thank you so much. Okay, Teresa. Bye-bye. Have Thanks. a great day. Bye-bye. Adios. Bye. Adios. Bye. Wow, God, it's time to wrap up already. God, time flew today. My gosh. Um, before we sign off and do our acknowledgments, we want to remind everybody to check out our resources page for an updated show-by-show reference list and some things that Luke is going to be posting. So check out on those things. And with that, i got to start 
doing our acknowledgments and thank yous, Angelica. Indeed you do. Thank everybody out there. <laughs> sending people. Th- we have to thank everybody for sending them with tea with bvp.com and signing up because we have huge numbers now. We're great. Keep, them, keep signing them up. Uh, we want to thank our technical producer, Daniel Trago, our media producer, Luca Giapponi, the talented and trusted call handler today, Emma Dunn, and our other talented and trusted call handler who's normally there, Dustin DeFelice. Our wonderful assistant production manager, Jeff Maloney, and I'm not going to sing it today. Oh, I am going to sing it real quick. My Maloney has a first name. Okay, there. (laughs) The The Center for Language Teaching Advancement, a.k.a. CELTA, the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University. And as a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And, of course, we thank all of you out there. So remember, gang, next week is our spring break. And we will be on hiatus for the week. Enjoy some time catching up on past shows. We'll be back on Thursday, March 17th at the regular time. The topic will be determined. We're going to surprise you with that topic. Until then, have a great weekend. Have a great week. Happy second language acquisition to everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>